Hey, do you remember a couple of years ago we went to the psychic fair at Berkeley? We're cruising around in your art car. It's like a Hyundai painted like a rainbow, and on top of it is two of your speakers that you brought back from India. They have strapped your motorcycle, and they're way too big for a motorcycle because they look even big on top of a rainbow painted Hyundai. Mm -hmm. And I said, pull over here, because it was at a brick building, and the sign said Psychic Fair. And you were able yeah. to yes. swoop in, <laughs> and we went up the stairs, wondering yes. what a Psychic Fair would be. Yes. It's like a staircase that goes up with a steep ascent, so you're not yeah. sure, and it goes around a corner, so you're even not more sure and inside is a group of psychics and they're all just kind of waiting and you get to sit down and take your pick <laughs> and they psychically work on you i remember this afterwards i was ecstatic and you felt like you had been uh, kind of like a worm that was pulled up from the ground you're like this guy fucking finger made me in my soul <laughs> yeah. a little bit like there was a why are you not recording this no we're rolling we're rolling oh all right this is all precept because I had this, I was driving down here and I realized what it was to fall in love with summer, the erotic currents of summer. But this, what this is, is like, that took a little bit of backtracking because falling in love with summer means that summer for me is flowing through you. And it's like you're receiving energy from it. But if you're just receiving energy from it, then there's going to be like, it's just one way. And it's something will be depleted there. And the way to not receive it, the way to not just receive it is to give it back. Once you're giving and receiving, then you've entered into what could be like a subtle erotic play with the summertime. A relationship with the height of summer. A relationship with the height of summer. Right when this clicks through, there was beautiful young fairies at bus stops waiting as the bus pulled up and their hair was wispy and their tan rights are going and there's like gaggles of gals in front of stores and summer dresses when really what I was thinking about is not just the erotic currents of humans but it was sunlight on your street coming through and making shadows in the way that the shadows were ripping the pavement slowly caressing across the ground yeah. right it's like it's everywhere once you get into this give and take relationship of it and it's your neighbor up the street in her garden and her like 60 maybe 70 year old american plumpness with gray hair and a bright orange visor and she's holding the stalk of her flowers that are so big that she's like up to shoulder in flower and she has gloves on and the way her clippers are there she's just sweet gardening but also in this sense she's almost in a bondage mode of just like there's not a grip it and go with it in this like there's a legit fairy sleeping in the sun in front of the house that we walk by that it seems as if nobody is ever home i looked over i'm like is this a boy or a girl and it was that in-between where they become a fairy, where they have short hair but feminine ankles and long feet that are resting on top of a camper, like literally sleeping in the sun of the house that has always been empty. A huge house with multiple garages and a barn. Where is this? Uh, like um, down the street from here, kind of by the plum trees. Okay. Hmm. All these... Uh, these just started appearing once I acknowledged that the relationships with an erotic current is something that goes back and forth. And this happens because my lesson at the psychic fair was that for lifetimes I had been leaving energy where I went. Mm -hmm. She was like a very beautiful kind of career psychic, like voodoo type 
kind of lady and she went in and she's like, yeah, you have a good, um, she's like your turquoise, you have a good natured soul, but you leave energy everywhere you go. And I thought about my past weekend, how I'm always like trying to rush and get places. And I'm like, yeah, the whole time I'm like leaving energy everywhere. It's always like this momentum of, of avalanching, avalanching down, avalanching upward, just going. And how do you then... How do you mend that? And I thought, well, as opposed to leaving energy everywhere, why don't I just absorb it? Why don't I absorb it from the sidewalk? Why don't I absorb it from the trees? Why don't I get it from the wind hitting my cheek? And then I'm driving and the red hot chili peppers are like blasting it through at a heavy part of the song. These are the ways. And that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh, you don't just absorb it because something felt wrong with that. Give it back. Hmm. Start channeling it. You could almost construe the energy you're leaving behind as energy that you're giving out or just like it's going out of you and being in the environment. But it seems to me you wouldn't want it to be like a trail behind you. You want to cast that energy out in front of you. You want to throw it ahead into the future. Whoa. It's the, and just just acknowledging that it is a relationship like a backpack a full of saliva snowballs that you just like are reaching into and <laughs> throwing yourself into the future. Yeah, like lightning, like sword sabered lightning wands in your backpack and you just whip it out and it reaches 20 feet out in front of you and you can wave it around and affect the people on the sidewalk with it. Yo, yo. It lives in your vocal cords. It lives in like your face and the way you paint it with blackberries and your muscles and your like tall orange beanie yeah yeah <laughs> and i had my first blackberry painting of the summer there was this before i had this epiphany and there was a sweet lady older lady waiting for her community bus ride and she had all of the looney tunes in the pocket of her shirt and she saw me picking blackberries by the electrical outlet city control box and uh, she commented on it. I offered her one and she said, no, I'll get my own. Thank you. Yeah. And then as I was coming back, she's like, you should pick more. How about pick two? And at this point, I put them on my face like just bloody war paint so that it would soak into my pineal gland for this conversation. Mm. Mm -hmm. That was this morning. That just happened. That just happened. Right before the epiphany of understanding, of understanding the summer erotic currents. Because my mystic mentioned, send me some of the erotic currents that you're going through. I'm like, I've been thinking of eroticism as being this like thick atmosphere, like a tide, and then trying to feel it or see it or experience it as it is around walking barefoot. I mean, it's just, I'm like, it's, it's something is more hyper in summer. Something is raised. Yeah. The, the level is raised in something. Mm hmm yeah, the energy is definitely more heightened. It's more active. When we left the um, the psychic fair, we walked around the corner because we were following the sound of electric kalimba. A gentleman oh, yes. was playing a kalimba with a, a electronic pickup yeah. placed inside of the kind of piano-like metal prongs that you play with your thumb so that it was then echoing across what was a wide street, Shattuck Street in Berkeley. And I was so hyped up on having lifetimes of energy just replenished and brought back into me that I was just full dance mode and just going within the movement of the kalimba. And you were hyped up because you're a kalimba man and here you haven't seen this 
electrified he version was doing of it. something cool. If I remember correctly, he had some like magnetic balls <clears throat> like connected to the <clears throat> the metal tines, and they were like they would like shift back and forth between the different tines. He was doing some weird like almost prepared kalimba kind of stuff. Yeah, there was definitely other there was other layers states. to it than just kalimba. It was like other like yeah, <clears throat> yeah, almost like a guitarist playing through a tremolo pedal. Yeah, he had some with like some flange, organic metallic synthetic kind of except they're bolts going on. Yeah, they're bolts and metal pieces. Yeah. yeah. And we cascade into this musical sense and then maybe even in an epilogical shockwave example of being in a state of casting your energy forward in front of you, a massive protest starts coming down the street as if it's a parade, but it's disgruntled people at the state of the world. And we don't quite understand the vibe of what they're protesting, but we understand the vibe of ecstatic states of people and start going through it and using the chants and picking up buckets to make music, to keep moving it forward, to take all the people into like this. I mean, we were just in a musical dancing mode, so we're like, well, let's integrate that. And we yeah. ended up just fucking walking for a long time, making music <laughs> out of people screaming and becoming <laughs> probably more weird and a bit deeper level protest than the protesters, because they would look at you being like, well, what are you doing? Right. We're trying to joy out the angry protest. <laughs> About the time they started throwing and breaking Trader Joe's windows just to go in and steal alcohol was when we started helping the Trader Joe's employees just, like, clean up glass. Yes. That was where it was too far for me, and I walked... That, coincidentally, had rounded after a long, meandering walk had come back to only a block away from the psychic fair. So I went back to the psychic fair and the building outside and sat on a newspaper stand, which is like three or four feet off the ground and thought I'd sit in cross-legged and meditate and just soak in what had happened because it was a lot of, lot of energy within that protest, a lot of like singing and walking and your muscles are tired. And then they're closed eyes and that's when the, the riot police show up right at the corner of the psychic fair. And it's like they're staging. It's their backstage prep work for when they're going to go bust in and crack skulls. Mm -hmm. And it got to be just um, like a really like lovely and intense view of them psyching themselves up to go make it happen. And then to have the confrontation just sort of erupt. Because once you have one force here, you're naturally going to draw another force, especially if the forces want to hit each other, mm -hmm. if they want to control each other. Mm. And then that ended up being just all around this movement below the newspaper stand. Well, I got to like just be there meditating amongst it. Where were you meditating? Like on the sidewalk? Uh, like on a newspaper dispensing okay. uh, metal box. Yes. So it was like, it was high <coughs> Sitting enough. on that. So I, it was, I was above head level and I was already there as they showed up. So I didn't feel like a voyeur to it right. it's like well I'm kind of already here meditating guys <laughs> but was, I'm going to dip into your adrenaline rushes I'm going to be a single point between the psychic fair and the assembling <laughs> of the riot squad of the riot squad <laughs> 
I was just thinking about all that because this weekend we had coffee as a, as a church converted to a coffee shop right across the street from the psychic fair. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm here again. And the I light was, was say, coming through. You were through. just in Berkeley, so this is maybe where the memories are coming back. Yeah, man, the light was coming through the stained glass of the coffee shop. And I was like sitting through trying to remember what this feeling is. <clears> and it all sort of percolated back. And it gave me mostly that feeling of, Oh yeah, you leave bits of yourself everywhere as you go, like energy bits. And I had been doing that all weekend. I'm like trying to figure out how do I not leave it? I was like, okay, well, how about I just absorb it? And then driving, I realized from the chili peppers, it's not about absorbing, it's about intermingling. Mm -hmm. And that is the erotic currents that I had been looking for is, is making love to summer. Yeah. <clears throat> the gravel doesn't love that shift of light and shadow as much unless there's someone there witnessing it with the gravel, seeing the gravel as it goes through the change. It's a bit kinky just to see things. <laughs> We're watchers. Yeah. We're yeah. watchers. But that interplay where you're interacting with it, you almost bring a new life to it by seeing it vividly. You don't just see it, you appreciate it. You're in there with it. And what does the feeling of appreciation give to something? Because my reaction is I don't change the shadow and the gravel at all. It's just maybe I change it in the sense that it changes in me. In a very subtle way, you're helping that gravel to evolve into a human. Because yeah. it's, it's picking up a little bit of your energy through the interaction. Oh, it goes both ways. I think so. It goes both ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is what I was hoping for with this podcast was to feel and go deep and to get to a place where we're emerging. I just had an emergence. <sighs> I've been saying it for like 10 minutes. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. But I hadn't actually felt it yet. I just had my first like uh, first kiss with shadow gravel. <laughs> Man, I'm so glad you bring that memory to the forefront of my consciousness. I nearly forgot weekend. about all that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a bit. It's a wild weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're... <laughs> we're playing our own part. Yeah. Blast, blasting out the tune from the rainbow car. Yeah. Before it all began. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you were at work. I remember feeling so cool being at Telegraph. Uh, and there's all these hip kids around. And I have a tall can. I'm on my skateboard. Just... And then you called me up and you're like, ETA two minutes. And I just get to like skateboard with a tall can and have this fucking crazy guy blasting music. And I get to do a burnout and just kind of like, yo, what up to all these cool kids. And I get in this car. <laughs> when things are moving... They have so much more leeway to be free and wild. If something's just in one place and it's doing something a bit abnormal, 
you really got to be rooted or hold that ground because it's going to draw things in that are curious and that want to knock it off of its pedestal. But yeah. if there's something that's already in motion and dancing around everything, it's going to be difficult for anything to even catch it. Second lines. Parades. Second line? Like a New Orleans second line. Hmm. What is that? It's like a, like a variation on a marching band, but that you like drinking beer while you're doing it. And yeah. Everybody might be in some sort of like Mardi Gras esque costume. A little more relaxed than a first line parade. <laughs> yeah, I've never been to a first line. I'm not sure what the first line. Maybe the first line was already obliterated. The first line stayed in one spot. It yeah. was just static line. Got wiped out. <laughs> second line. It's all like, second mm, line. I'm gonna keep on moving. The second line is where it gets a little bit thicker and more defined too. Like if you're drawing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last time when we were in Lighthouse Field singing, and I'm pretty sure the cops were rolling in to <laughs> to be shutting us down. You thought that? I don't know if I thought that. But... I I feel that, but it, the conclusion there for me was: you, if you're gonna sing in public, you can't look weird. Like those are the two that go together. You can't wear a clown outfit and sing. <laughs> if you wear a clown outfit and sing in public, it's not going to go as well. Technically, both of those things are legal. Yes, yes. <laughs> in Portland, our housemate MLP was yeah. an art student, and she used to have to make a cardboard sign to put by her performance art, saying, uh, "This is art." I'm not crazy and I'm not drunk and just have it yeah. there so that the, just, this event wouldn't happen. Cause she would put on like a full body suit, go down to like the river and just start contorting or having self-imposed tea parties or like sort of interacting with people in a kind of clown art like way. Yes. How often, though, can you tell people, I'm not crazy? It, what is it about art that makes people uncomfortable? Does it have to have that part? Or can it just be, like, beautiful and pleasing? Most of the art I like is, I like it because it's beautiful and pleasing. But there's a lot of artists that are kind of rebels, that yeah. thrive in disgruntling people, that want to push the envelope that feel that their duty as an artist is to take somebody that is static or stationary or has one mindset and to give them an epiphany. Many beloved artists are like this. Like famous and well-liked artists kind of still rattle the cages. Yeah, it's like a... I would say a lot of artists think it's the duty. Mm-hmm. I just like beauty so much that I'm like, I'm already kind of weird. I just want to look at really beautiful things. <laughs> what do you need to absorb? <laughs> what do you need to dance with? The mingling that happens. How does the beautiful piece of art change when Jedediah looks at it? I, well, I don't know. I mean, we're co... I, I just, ten minutes ago, learned that we're co-mingling. Yeah. I was observing something that I observe most mornings, which is that the morning sun bounces off of the red paint on the house and onto a tree that's right next to the house and makes the whole tree look way more red than it actually is. But mm. this is, those are two mm. very static objects, a house and a tree. 
it's like every single morning the light is doing this bouncing off of this tree and making it look far more red than it would be without this kind of color filtering effect going on yeah yeah and i was just like man nothing is real the only reason this tree has any color at all is because the light is bouncing off of things and, you know, getting to it eventually. Nothing is real and such a good example for how things could co-mingle. I'm thinking about this because of the beautiful painting that Jedediah is looking at in the museum or wherever. Yeah. And the lights that are on it, illuminating it. You wouldn't see that painting at all if it wasn't for those lights that were placed there. And nobody would see the painting without the eyes that they have to receive it. Yeah. I don't know. What does the co-mingling occur? The co-mingling occurs probably in dun 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 <laughs> some kind of quantum field or something because it's a potential of experience that wouldn't exist without the observer being there. But you're there, and there, it's like we don't believe in this part of it, but it yeah. is legit that you're making it happen as much as the painting is making it happen. Oh, so when you go to like the MoMA, you're in there, you're looking at some Picasso painting that maybe a million people have seen. You're all taking part in making it happen. Remember at that MoMA, when we were looking at that one set of paintings it's like a lot of just really like dark like black and deep purples and like really like kind of deep deep blues and things yeah yeah and i was like oh these are the colors that you that i see when i close my eyes these are like the inside of the eye colors yeah and i remember you were kind of like having it was the huge moment. it was like a big wall and i was like this is a bullshit painting yeah because it was just a huge it was on canvas size yeah. of a wall yeah but it was just purple and black, like dark colors kind of faded into each other. I was... Um, and you're saying it's the color that you see when you close your eyes. Yeah. And I remember that being a shift in me of being like, oh, I was wrong. This is not bullshit. <laughs> like, that feels so good. Well, that, but also that you, it maybe made you aware of colors when you close your eyes i think it was that huh he was like yeah no. i never even thought that i saw colors it showed it gave me a painting inside my own head that i'm seeing every day at least half the day mm -hmm. every time you blink every time you blink start adding it up that painting is there how often do you keep track of the colors when you blink i don't usually see it necessarily when i blink though i do remember um i mean you do see it though it's just really fast yeah I remember Miss Green explaining that to me one time, sort of like when you start noticing your blinks, it almost, it's like a white instead of a black. It almost seems like things get lighter when you blink. Yeah, fresh face. There's almost an echo delay effect to the blink and you see like a white flash. It's like if you're trying to take a selfie and you get five selfies deep, it gets bad. You have to put the camera away and then bring it back for a fresh face. I ate chia seeds, chia pudding, before I went to sleep last night, so I had dreams of penguins. <laughs> Thousands of penguins in summertime. <laughs> chia seeds look like little penguins. Do they? A little bit. Black and white kind of speckled objects. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Little bulbous dudes. The white flash that comes from blinking, though. 
I remember I didn't see it at first when she was describing it. I was like, what are you talking about? It just gets darker when I blink. But then I went away from engaging with her and was still thinking about it, and it started happening for me. Yeah, it's the flash. It's the freshness. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's it, the blink is the blackening, but the white is the reopening. Mm. It's as all the colors are coming in, but they're not, uh, the whole scene isn't materialized. I was describing to my psychologist recently about, it's been less this week. There was like a week or two there where it just seemed like there was this constant strobing effect. Like a black and white, just everything was kind of flashing all the time with black in and white. In the office? Or on the phone? I was talking to her on the phone. But just in your head? Or in your eyes? In my eyes, just all the time, like, that was going on. It's less this, it's less now. Oh, oh no. But I... psychologist wrote that down. <laughs> How do I know he's crazy? And, uh, you know, and I was noticing, too, that I, I always see, like noise like this rippling sort of static effect like you would see on a television screen that's just pure static you know yeah there's like a background of that to everything that i'm looking at all the time and what like in front of everything or behind it like yeah it's, like, it's just sort of overlaid within it's it. just overlaid within it yeah yeah and uh and i was seeing this video about a dude who was a an acid dealer and he was like going into some party and accidentally like spilled a whole vial of acid on himself and like got a bunch of it in his mouth too probably uh -oh. so he probably had you know like i don't know 70 hits of acid all at once or something like this it better be a cool or party or you're gonna be well and he said he'd been tripping pretty much continuously for four years straight since that point and he this said, is an account? This like, he's is kind of documentary giving an account about, yeah, of his four-year trip? His, his story, yeah. his story, yeah. his story, you know, yeah. you know yeah. life yeah. after that life moment. And that he moment. said that, like, he said that, like, he doesn't, he no longer has the, like, emotional, like, kind of power impact that you get when you trip, where it's, like, hitting your internals and moving you a lot. Where it's like, where it's but like, where it's he's like, still where it's full, like, full like, on has the visual effects going on that you get when you. Trip. But he said it's nowadays like, it's mostly just like, like television like, static, like layered over like, everything. Like, and I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, shit. oh shit, he's describing he's an describing effect I just frequently or pretty much all the time have. I didn't, I didn't know D on acid, <laughs> but I'm getting some kind of similar effect to some dude who did. Yeah, and then I'm like just noticing that I have. A tolerance to DMT. I haven't done a ton of DMT, but when I have smoked DMT, it's like not nearly as strong as when other people describe that they go through. And I'm like, maybe I just have some of that flowing in me regularly speaking, you know? I think probably a lot of quote unquote crazy people have that going on more regularly. What did your psychologist say about this? I didn't really ask her about that yet. Okay. I was talking about the strobing flashing, which I was getting at that time. I haven't gone into the, the like white noise over everything, which is always there too. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I bring this up because of the mingling. That because of the mingling that you're asking that you're, about. You're asking how about you mingling, you know? Yeah. How, do you, how does your own personal perception of something 
affect that thing, even if it seems like an inanimate object, which we know it's not. Right. Because we, we know we are affected by the world. Right. But how do we know we affect yes. the pavement yes. with the shadow centrally rolling because over it? that's maybe <clears throat> when you start to equalize the energy coming in and the energy going out. You bring that balance you were looking for. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. 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 And part of it, I think, would be no longer leaving a trail, but instead using a whip. Of projecting yourself forward. Being aware that your energy is going outward, and instead yeah. of kind of unconsciously letting it trail behind you, oh. you purposely wield it in front of you. Oh, fuck yeah. You got yeah, that ability. It's going to it's, be around. It's so written, why don't I just keep it in a whip and throw it forward? It's written in your aura type. Your aura type is like a whip. Yes, that's a <laughs> sick line. Your aura <laughs> type is like a whip. It's written in your aura type. Mm -hmm. Get a grip. Get a grip. <laughs> Come on, Thor. Let's use those thunderbolts. <laughs> So how does this, is this, does, can you see how the static is inner, is a layer in this? Or are you just feeling the static is an example of your DMT rich blood? I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. It, it seems to me like maybe the static has something to do with the quantum field that kind of. Like, I mean, that's the best outcome, right? That it's not like a malfunction that you didn't like break your your eye circuits and the way your brain interprets signals because that's what somebody would say when this guy has 70 hits of acid and is tripping for four years yeah they're like well your visual cortex is fucked up and now you're seeing static like a shitty radio signal or a tv that's not picking up you know like when a tv does it you just hit the tv or the tv's kind of broke yeah. You're not always seeing, oh, you're not always seeing into things. And I'm realizing what I wanted to do today was watch Poltergeist. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure that that is where messages are coming through the static in the TV. I haven't seen it before. That's just on the poster. Yeah. Is a little girl staring at a static staring TV. Static. Yeah. I have high school rhymes on the, on the rap album about this. Yeah. Scenes like I'm, how's it go? Uh, Sometimes I find myself just staring at static. Seems like a movie, and I know it seems tragic, but to me it's more peaceful, not so eclectic. As life, like a waterfall, it's just nice. Ah, and there you are drawn to art for the sake of beauty. I remember Mr. Morris turned me on to that static from a television could be nice. He had us all like put our heads down and close our eyes on the desk. Mm -hmm. And then he turned on the static television and very slowly turned the volume up from nothing to like where it was getting kind of loud and described this scene that we were walking behind a waterfall. And so as we're getting like into the waterfall and we're starting to feel the drops, you know, he's just talking us through this, but the sound of the static television is getting louder and louder. But of course we're not perceiving that it's just horrible television static. We're thinking of it as a waterfall sound because that's what he's creating for us. <laughs> the great noise. The great noise that animates all things. My brain has converted uh, highway car um, doppelanger effect sounds mm -hmm. into the crashing sounds of waves. Why? 
So now living by the highway, it's like I'm yeah. living beachfront property. <laughs> Especially on the weekend when all the San Jose kids bring their Kawasaki motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why does it... Maybe it's just that these are the ones that you see, but why does it that so many, like, uh, hobos end up making their camps right by freeways? Is it just where they get away with it, or is there something about the oceanic effect of the constant doppelganger sound, like, washing over them? I, I don't know. And there must be just more that you don't see. Yeah, there must be more. That but you why see. would you even choose that spot? Yeah. And I think it is the comfort of people. It's the comfort of the cars. It's the comfort of that movement. The motion, the activity. It's the comfort of being <clears throat> seen. Like yeah, you need maybe. to be connected in some way. Yeah. And this way, it's like it's like you are. And it's also like there's a vibe to it, a pulse. Like you're always in it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. happening, red lights. Yeah. The pan of the lights across the overpass or whatever from the headlights mm -hmm. something kind of warm and almost holiday-ish kind about of a, it you're kind of always getting the traffic report <laughs> you are yeah you, like, you are the traffic you report. are the traffic report <laughs> right there <laughs> at that cross section at that cloverleaf <clears throat> as in this conversation if if thoughts perkle up on how to know that you are affecting the world or intermingling and if anything comes with the static overlay let's at any point that those thoughts come up let's bring that back because i want to thread that through a bit more <laughs> we've got we're gathering our threads with yeah our with, multicolored threads of the day yeah multicolored threads of the day mm -hmm. sometimes made of electric light mm -hmm. sewing it through electric thor whips electric thor whips <laughs> <laughs> Because I still don't quite understand in theory, but I still don't quite know how to throw my energy forward to. Yeah. It requires a foundation of confidence. You're bouncing something off of something else, and the thing you're using to bounce it off of is your confidence. Yeah. And you're, you're not just throwing it forward in direction. You're throwing it forward in time. Well, yeah, but not necessarily very far in time. Potentially, it could have that effect too, but, you know... You're like reaching out. You're making the connections happen. You're giving a hoot to the woman cutting the flower in her yard rather than just observing it. If you just observe it and walk away, you leave the energy behind you. What if I really told you, her what I was thinking, though, that appears as if she's in a bondage interplay with her flower that she's dominating in the most <laughs> lovely way? I don't know if I can... I cannot legally advise you on that. <laughs> <laughs> Friendship takes tact. Yeah. To build relationships requires a bit of forethought, I've learned. You cannot, unfortunately, just always be the rawest version of the thought on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> when did you learn this? Slowly over the last couple of years, probably mostly from Taya. Yeah. Being in a relationship that's a marriage that's expected to be long-lasting for life and understanding... Yeah that it doesn't work well. To, I guess I learned that. It, I was starting to learn that before I got together with Taya, otherwise it wouldn't have worked with her. Yeah. Yeah. There's this ideal of romantic love, like you're going to be able to just completely be who you are without any sort of modifications or adaptations to like Ooh, yeah. collaborate with it, with that person yeah. or compromise. But 
I don't know if that's, I don't think that's really true. I think in order to make any relationship work, you're kind of meeting that entity halfway. I mean, that's kind of beautiful too, because then you create something potentially new between you two and you get to grow in a space that wouldn't exist if you two hadn't been together. And it's kind of like the only way you get together in that sense is through the compromise. It's an an acknowledgement of the energy that's coming in and changing you also. You're allowing the change from your experience, from the environment outside of you to affect you. You become different. Your change reaches out again and, and affects the environment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the threads. And yeah. how do you know it's affecting? And then are you ahead of this process or are you behind this process? It's much better to be ahead of the process because if you're behind it, then you're kind of fixing mistakes because if you're behind it, yeah. problems will emerge and then you have to fix those problems. And then you're always catching up because those problems take healing. And now you're like, uh, uh, uh. And then it starts to be a drag just on your own buoyancy of being present in the world because you're like, oh, fuck, now I'm in this. Right. And then it's... Don't fall too much in love with our own mistakes. Don't fall too much in love with our own mistakes. Word. (laughs) Word. (laughs) What if you... What if a person could meet someone and present themselves as clear as they are with no compromise and no bending and no trying to be what the other person might want. Like if you were your full self right from the beginning and the person liked that self and then you found a match where they're like, I'm saying like, what if somebody really liked your shitty parts? What if somebody liked your unconsiderate parts? What if somebody liked, like they, they liked your, your weakness? Because those are all the things that sort of emerge later and sort of come in and then you have to kind of compromise with. Both people have to be doing it too because both people have to be honest about what that they are willing to accept something. I mean, that would be a wild place to base a friendship. Most friendships kind of are that. That's why friendships last. Is you're like, man, this guy is fucked up and he's kind of a dick, but he's like really funny and I like being around him. Because you don't need as much. Like, the more close and romantic you are, the more you need each other. The more you're in each other's space. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. There's so many... <clears throat> there's, there's ways that nature flows. Like, this tends to happen more often. And then there's... Um, there's outliers, because anything's possible so like the extraordinary can happen sometimes and i dare say nearly all things exist if they haven't existed yet maybe they will exist at some point in order to satisfy the infinitude of experience (laughs) satisfy the infinitude of experience yeah there's going to be all kinds of relationship dynamics out there everything can happen someone can be totally unaffected completely clear raw themselves and putting themselves on the line putting themselves out there as hard and as much as they can and you'll get someone else who's totally attracted to that person and wants to be around them as much as possible yeah we have all these internal balancing points that draw us to each other maybe that's the dynamic of a master 
But I don't. Yeah. I dare say even the master has to modify and change how he is in order to work with people. The master is so raw and unaccompanied by so, other people that then other people are drawn to this wave. Baba was of just a talking person. about this. Baba was saying he was talking about the other perfect masters of his day. Oh yeah, and that they have a relatively smaller field of influence than his, which is a universal field of influence, and so they get to be a little bit more raw. <laughs> kind of a little dick thing to say, right? And that's just who he is, dude. Right? It's just being more real. <laughs> Sorry, man. You're <laughs> okay. They have a certain sphere of influence that doesn't reach quite as far, so he they don't have to think about every little ripple that's going to happen throughout all of societies and like different societies and different religions and per- how all those things will perceive their actions and judge them is baba making an account of this mm-hmm. consciously yes so baba's you know he does some things intentionally that he knows will not be received very well and that are within his nature but he's also doing a lot of other things to kind of play the game and get people to like be on board with him yeah. he's working it he's working the stage and he has to do that in order to draw people in close enough to get that intimacy where he can then, tr- you know, chime them like a bell and shatter their ego a bit. Transference of the guru. Mm. Just being in proximity and then absorbing or changing from somebody's energy or their state. Transference of the guru. <sighs> Did Baba hang out with these other... Sometimes. What are they called? Like other high vibe people? Other, other masters? Other perfect masters. Other perfect masters? Yeah. Do you know any of them? Personally? <laughs> yeah. I haven't met them. <laughs> but um, I, I mean, I know a fair amount about some of them. Yeah. I was really into Sai Baba before I had fully decided about Meher Baba. Yeah. And I also read that whole um, Upasni Maharaj biography, which is pretty rich. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked Babajan's energy. I went I visited Babajan's tree in Pune. Really nice energy. He was like buried at a tree? She stayed under a tree for many years under the same tree and then they kinda of preserved it Ooh. after she died. Oh, she's the one that kissed Baba into enlightenment? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he Baba went and visited her under the tree? Yeah. And she blew him a kiss or kissed him on the forehead? Kissed him on the forehead. Kissed him on the forehead? Yes. So she'd been under this tree for how many years? Oh, <clears throat> uh, I don't know. 30, 40, 50? Wow. 50 years sitting under a tree. Mm. And a Baba as a teenager goes up to her. Mm-hmm. Gets kissed on the forehead. And if I remember this correctly loses his fucking mind to the galaxy. He's like James Webb radio static <laughs> to the max where it's just portal opening and closing to open to another portal. I think so. That is nonstop. Like, and he goes inside his brick cellar room. Like, it's a room made of cement bricks because his mind is so gone and he's just there for weeks after being kissed on the forehead and his only way out is trying to slam his head against the bricks and it's not working. And one of the other perfect masters takes a walnut and uh, throws a, a rock and throws it some distance through his window and hits him on the forehead and 
grounds him back into this reality. Not through the window, but yeah, you're getting you're getting a lot of the good details in there. Yeah. Where was he that he got thrown the a walnut through a window would be pretty cool. It was months that Baba was in a highly like altered state where he was probably barely aware of his body at all. Talk about summertime love, dude. <laughs> Making out under a tree and then losing your mind to the universe mm-hmm. and the multiple dimensions within and without. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love coming into this type of event where I like don't have anything to say and not sure what I could possibly talk about. And then you get me all lit up and then I have more than I have too many things to say. Dude, bring it. Bring I know. That's it. good. It's a good feeling. Uh, and, but it's like, and it's like, how to weave it in too. But you were asking about these perfect masters or just other heightened enlightened beings. And those would be the musts beings that are spiritually on the planes. They're having experiences of other realms and things, but mm. they're, they're not perfect. They're mm. not fully enlightened. And they're still kind of going through their growth process, but they're like on the outskirts of reality. And yeah, yeah, the outskirts of reality. I was just reading about these musts, and Baba says, for a real must, they're intoxicated all the time. They're intoxicated with the love of God. And their level, their degree of intoxication can increase, but it can never decrease. Can you imagine being totally fucked up? <laughs> and after a while, you realize not only this is not going away, but Your from time to time, it will ramp up. More pedal. Yeah, the only option is more. Mm-hmm. And there, Baba established not only did he go and find these types of people and make contact with them frequently and would like work with them. But at one point in his spiritual career, he established an ashram for these people and gathered many of them in the same place in Rahuri, which was between Maribad and Nasik. He had an ashram in Nasik as well, and he would travel back and forth between these two places. So kind of smack dab between those two was a little village called Rahuri. Mm. And he made a, a mad and must ashram there where he gathered insane people and people who were intoxicated with the love of God and brought them there to all live together and be together. What did they do together? I was just Can reading about this. Go to a Baba, dinner party there? Baba employed a dance he, party there? He gave them jobs? That's not no, fucking no. work. No, no. That was not what I was going to say. He employed a professional singer to live at the ashram and sing to them every day. What a G move. <laughs> yes. 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 And one of these dudes um, had an old kerosene can that he would wear around his neck like a necklace all the time and would just constantly play it like a drum and like play off of everybody's sound all the time. Oh, like us during the protest. Like us during the protest. And so this dude would always be like part of the concert whenever the singer was singing. He's there playing his kerosene can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you imagine being that singer and you're like, yeah, guys, I got, I got a new gig. I'm singing at an insane asylum. <laughs> yeah. Every day. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> It's a live-in position. (laughs) Just to wake up and start singing, too. Like, to sing eight-hour shifts. I don't know what his shifts were, but yeah. 
And it was singing this, to uh, unify the people to just bring them to a state or just... I know. don't I don't mean to jump too many ships. No, just jump them all. I don't mean to open too many tabs, but Taya was doing some CEUs for her acupuncture, yeah, <coughs> continuing yeah. education units, and it was this guy talking about numerology and acupuncture. Oh, please. This please. guy was talking for eight hours straight with like at the same intensity that we do when we're podcasting, just like bringing out the truth, educating people about this, like details of his numerological archetype and just going hard for eight hours straight. And this was the second day that he was doing this for. He had already done this the day before. We didn't see that one, but he was going on. And I was like, recorded? No. It was like a Zoom class. It was a Zoom class. He had 140 people watching it's is he perfect perfectly purposely keep it at 140? I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. I just think I think that's probably the the audience that they had that day. Mm, okay, okay. That was some trippy stuff he was talking about. And he was what whatever form if it was like Pythagoras's arrows, there's like a grid with the numbers one through nine and you put your birth date numbers in there and then you like get some arrows and you get some empty arrows and they all have, you know, like meaning someone has to fit decided or figured out like you know, this is the arrow of determination this is the arrow of intelligence and, and things like this and it was so on point for every chart that we were doing with this thing yeah like, oh, hey this is totally your dad what the heck you know wow oh it was pretty wild open tab but also like uh undercurrent of what i wanted to talk to you today about question mm-hmm. i had in my back pocket was mm-hmm. to ask you what it was like falling in love with numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know that at some point in your life you went and, and I'm in this summer romance thing and I'm like kind of wondering what it is to be sensual with the world. And I know that you have fallen in love with numbers. Right. Yeah, I mean, I always kind of liked numbers and math, but when there was a connection through the spiritual awakening with sacred geometry and mathematics being kind of the one of the fundamental archetypes of the universe. Yeah. String theory, kind of believing string theory is real, feeling the universal connection of everything through one string that's 11 dimensional and that it would take a, a massively awesome and super ultra beautiful set of like rules that would move that string that would that that string would operate under these conditions like the universal laws of god <clears throat> and um i'm seeing the image now for the first time of the string whipping through 11 dimensions yes. and it's the same string yes and that string is made up of a recipe it's mm-hmm. made up of the conductor can sometimes be found in math mm-hmm or maybe boiled down to or primed out or some sort of number configuration. Math is one possible way to describe the movement of that string with some accuracy. Yeah, yeah, with some accuracy. Yeah. Yeah, I like that sentence. Oh, I mean, I... Some accuracy. With some accuracy, meaning, you know, like, multiple decimal places of accuracy. Probably more accuracy than any other way it's going to be described. Yeah, okay, Yeah. 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 Um... What is it? I mean, to fall in love is, it's like you're, it's a version of intoxicating. Like it's something kind of consuming. You wake up 
thinking about you go to sleep thinking about it's your recognizing raptured it's life. recognizing the life force of this thing if it's a person or the field of shadow on gravel yeah the moment you realize that it's alive and you connect with its life force that's when you're in love with that thing when you that's really intense. like touch its life you really identify you're quick to fall in love then there's a lot of things that I see as alive that haven't I don't know if I've ever fallen in love with a wave crashing in the ocean you did it was just behind you (laughs) (laughs) are you in love with the sun and the moon yeah totally have you ever made love to an earthquake yeah (laughs) rocked me from behind (laughs) I was lying down on the ground. Everything <laughs> came up on me. I learned... Maybe I'm just more lightly using the word love than you are. But, I mean, you can, you can fall in love with something by hating it, too. Anytime you're engaged with something, there's some degree of love exchanging back and forth. It's an interest. It's a connection. It's an activation between you and this entity. The relationship begins once you recognize that it's alive. Yeah. Because once it's alive, then you're... You're seeing it for what it is. You're finally seeing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everything that's alive has its own kind of character or color or like energy force. And so I fell in love with the numbers because one feels completely different than two. They represent different things. They feel different to me. And you can do the same thing with the alphabet. A through Z, every single one of those has a totally different feeling. If I was speaking other languages, all those symbolic entities that kind of only exist in the mind, they're still weirdly alive. They have their own life force entity. And so, you know, probably most poets recognize if they're choosing a P word, how different it's going to be than if they're choosing an R word, because it just feels different. It emanates some different energy to it. And all words are built up of the the feelings that they have in them. Mm, mm. There's a reason why tattoo has two T's. Um, I was just saying this to my son about, so I'm trying to remember what the word was. I'm just going to slip on it, though. And, you know... Hippopotamus. I mean, maybe this is just me living in my own, like, mind of English, and I'm totally programmed by my own little English-speaking brain, but... Everything feels Program like those letters. English speak, by your little English <coughs> speaking Obviously brain. I am. Obviously yeah. we all are. But yeah. that being said, Source code. the language kind of evolved for a reason. The language has changed. 26 letters. Yeah. Right? Isn't that interesting? Huh. Yeah. Some of them we kind of don't even need. Like Q. Couldn't you pretty much always use a K instead of a Q? Hmm. And yet that Q is there and holds its own little space as being kind of queer. Yeah. Queer with a K. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't do the same thing. It doesn't quite do the same thing. (laughs) Then you're getting closer to queen. Queer with a K. Queen with a K? Queen with a K. Mm. Queen. Queen. The quick queen of Quincy and her quacking kangaroo. Uh (laughs) Tickle the doctor sees. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's the <laughs> <laughs>
my short pad for the day. It's probably too short to even to even move that way. I scrolled with a short story of how I took the name Omega. We're sitting today in Sean's living room. There's a fireplace. We're surrounded by trees and summer light. Sean's got his looping system set up with dials and currents, tremolos. He takes a little bit of sound and then keeps it going and adds in the next bit of sound. Yeah. I turned up the master one. I got it. I'm waiting for the poem. Planets emit radio waves. Planets emit radio waves, not solid masses, create friction. Waves move through matter. These moments, cat rich, healthy, clean, vital. Erotic currents inside of a supermassive tree growing. Water flowing over the contours. A cat drinking milk with eyes looking up from the bowl, his knees looking up from a prayer at a shrine that's alive. French braid, blue dress, pink bra, highlights, consulting a calendar, making plans to be closer together. I took the path of least resistance. Omega flows like water. Sometimes what you think is wrong, sometimes what you think is right. I took the path of least resistance flowing to make a water. This loop is sick, man. Scoop this rolling. I had just taken a. It's like an outdoor mall. The name Omega because it's not a parking shop. A shopping center. The shopping center. It's the Beta State. We go down to the creek to to sleep. It's a little bit scuzzy, like creek running through. There's some garbage stuff. It's a home spot. You can kind of clear it out and have some nice things. I slept with my head going towards the creek. And it, that night, the creek went through my body the whole night long. My, I woke up so refreshed, more refreshed than I had for years. I don't know what that is. I've tried to replicate the feeling, sleeping with your head going upstream to a creek. Try television static. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> you have? I was so tired. I hadn't been home for a few days, and I was there. I was home last night, and I put on uh, the Silver Surfer from 1998, and it started. It wasn't static, but it was similar because it's this kind of far reaches of the galaxy, galactic sort of. The surfer's origin story is it has to go out and find the planets at, at the richest inner core of life and bring them to this uh, alien overlord being to feed on them so yeah. that the being doesn't destroy planets that have sentient life. This, this story has been around for creepily long. <laughs> this story of planetary. I feel like I hear this, this story more and more that, like, there's alien life forms that just kind of feed on the ripest consciousness in the universe and they go about looking for young but thriving vital species that they can just kind of sap on their spiritual energy. Yeah, 
Yeah. Is it the Silver Surfer story? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh -huh. The Silver Surfer is like the scout for this guy. Those Animorph books that I just gave you, that's what they're about, too. Yeah. Yeah. How is that? It's just the same, it's like some species of aliens that is cruising with the universe looking for the next life form that they can like absorb all their energy and kind of level up their evolution by connecting with this new species they find. It, it, it seems so outlandish, but it's like, what is the thing that is vampiring your psychic force the most? It's you. Like, look inside. Who is taking the most of your headspace? It's your inner dialogue. Yourself. Who, who's talking the most shit? It's you. <laughs> to you. <laughs> you. 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 ourselves. All the time. All the time. Right. 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 The Gremlin book that you gave me, yeah, the same time the Animorph ones, yeah. is how to deal and cope with that alien being or with your ego sense that's mm -hmm. like tearing you apart. Mm -hmm. That book is fucking awesome. It's how to have a relationship with your Gremlin. I thought you were gonna like that. One. I really, I took that to the beach and I was just like, "Dude, I'm just on the This is this is." Had he'd known that I wanted to kiss a fairy, and he's like, "Well, if you if you were gonna want to kiss a fairy, then uh, then you might need to get to know your gremlin." You found me a book on getting to know your gremlin. <laughs> gremlin. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I realized that every single moment of our lives is a unique moment. Like, it's a complete experience unto itself, and it's, nobody's ever going to feel that the same way you felt that, that moment. Nobody has ever felt that before, and no one will ever feel it again. If you get, if you break it down into core emotions, like, all right, anger or love or something, okay, people have felt anger before, they've felt love before, when you start subdividing and categorizing. But when you take the totality of the experience, <clears throat> the present moment where you and me are sitting here in this room at this time with this sound system and this fireplace and this library and this set of bird chirping and everything about the moment we're having has never happened before and will never happen again. You crossing your legs a similar way to the UPS or the GPS or the speaker coil coiled up next coiled. to you. Yeah, it's like you're both coiled in the same direction. There's a lot of very minute details about this experience that contribute to the totality of the feeling that it's embodied in. Yeah, so much of them are so subtle, we don't think we notice it, but it's there's like we're so no, overflowing with it. There's no way to describe the totality of anything. Because it's no. constantly moving and changing and growing and morphing. A lot of authors try, and those end up being like such the dumb fucking books to read. They're yeah. so bad. <clears throat> you know, like... But they're like, I'm going to get it all. You end up being like that guy that wrote uh, Catcher in the Rye. Think about your like system. Like Zooey. It's like 20 pages where the guy's just shaving. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> you're talking about my favorite book of all time. <laughs> No wonder I spend so much time shaving. <laughs> <laughs> you like that one? Franny and Zoe is so good. Oh, man. That's where I was like, details are not where it's at. It's like the author is not supposed to describe everything that happens. They're religious. Like, you read that book? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. 
the like religious deconstruction of like faith being shaken and rocked to the core, but you care so much about the truth and you want to know what the truth is, but you realize it's not what you've been told. I mean, how could you even get to know the truth too if it's more detail rich than you could describe in a page? Is that the one I'm trying to remember? Is that the one where she falls in love? One of them falls in love with the um, uh, the Jesus prayer because oh, of because yeah. of the pilgrim the pilgrim's yeah. way. Oh yeah, yeah. I totally went and read the pilgrim's way after that book. Yeah. You read that Pilgrim's Way? I did. These are all a bit long ago. The though. energy of the prayer slowly moved from his tongue down into his heart after like days and days and days of doing absolutely nothing but saying this prayer all day long. Yeah, yeah. No sleeping, just praying, moving his tongue over the same vibration. I was trying to say a, a sentence 40 times today because if you said it 40 times, then within two weeks you could get up to 400. And if you say it 400 times, you could build a new brain synapse. I think you build brain synapses faster than that. Well, it's even quicker if you're having fun or while you're doing it. Yeah, true that. True that. True that. <laughs> what has happened in the cascade of moments of being in the totality of now and like you're yeah, in okay. a hype rush Thank you. of it? Thank you for reopening that tab because I want to picture yourself like, a, like some kind of a system that you're tuning. <clears throat> When you're, you want to try loop? You want to do a loop? I just wanted that one that you were just had on there again. And it's gone now. It's gone. Mm. It, that it was fades so away. good. Oh, it fades away. <laughs> yeah, I'm away. always trying to hold on to moments once they're gone because in retrospect, I notice how magical it was, and I'm like, oh, that was it. I can make. I'm always retrospecting feeling to throw my lightning bolts ahead. I have to know ahead of time how wonderful it is. Hmm. Hmm. Nice. Nice note on that. Whoa. Yeah. Emergence. That's that's a good tuning. Good tune. Yeah. When we're like tuning the radio or a television station, it's kind of all or nothing. It's like, okay, I got this channel. The whole thing is there. Now I'm going to flip it. Boom. Suddenly it's something completely and entirely different. But our systems don't tune like that. We've got knobs and faders for all the different possibilities of how we feel. Yes, yes. And we can kind of dial different things up and down. And like, if you want to start vibing on the ego and the alien forces that are coming in and taking over and backbiting myself, you can turn that fader up yeah, and you're you going to get more and more of that. But yeah. you can also carefully tune the system. so Modulate your absorbance of the, beauty. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's a fine um, symphony. It's going to have all the things get turned up at one point or the other. I love picturing your inner state as a musical control box of like a, a, DJ mixer. a recording studio, a DJ right. mixer. We have faders and dials yeah. of everything that is. A lot of times it's just you have a deficit of something. And so you're pulling it in in the personality of somebody else that you're interacting with. But yeah. you really could like all the emotions are just on these dials from yeah. the good to the bad. If you get in there and start iteratively being your own mixer. Well, like the moment that we're in, example, we're here indoors under the redwood trees. It's pretty shady in here, which is like nice, depending on the context of where we've been and where we're going next. If it was always this dark, the whole thing would get to be feeling a little too dark after a while. Yeah. You're, to me, you're presently backlit with bright sunshine on plants behind you. So I'm getting a tiny little like tiny little dialed taste of the sunlight that where, where it's bright 
but I know <clears throat> later today I'm going to get out in that sunshine and it's going to soak all over my body and I'm going to yeah. get enough of that full blown, that knob's turned all the way up now resonance that I'm not in any way discontented by the shade, the shadows that I'm, that I have dialed in right now. So there's a balance to these things going up and down. They never just stay static. Maybe if I was a perfect master, I could just like turn everything else down, turn the God knob up and sit there. But <laughs> be under the tree for 40 years. <laughs> you know, for me, I recognize that the knobs and faders kind of move on their own if you don't pay attention to them for a while. And you got, oh, wait, that one. Zoop. And you like can bring everything in where you want it. And we make our little plans about our days and our weeks, too, to get what we need in the long run. That's why walking solves so much. The movement solves everything. If you just keep moving, things will fall back into place because eventually you or whatever else got in the way will yeah. just be absorbed by time. They say walking is one of the main things to like just kind of reset yourself if you're having some kind of mental health issue. Like you're having DMT static overlays and you're still, but you want more, so you're staring into the TV. You're falling asleep with radio static on, not pretending that it's a waterfall or a wave, but it's just the messages from electricity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> um, I was kind of, this whole concept for me came about yesterday. You were mentioning your ability to feel more, that you've been kind of dialing into just the ability to like feel your feelings more and feel the world more this year yeah and you yeah. can just be reading a book and you realize that it's there and that it's kind of growing and you can grow into it further and further mm -hmm. yeah you, you you painted that for me and i kind of took it a step further yeah over this last 24 hour period 18 hour period oh that in feeling more that you can then array it into these mixing board and start yeah. adjusting it. That you recognize the moment where you drop in a layer deeper and it doesn't have to stop there. You can kind of keep dropping mm. to get the maximum out of each experience that's unique unto itself. Control drop mm -hmm. into each experience. Within, yeah, please though, right? I mean, yeah. Within those layered and varied experiences is just how present we are in them or how conscious we are of the various components going on within each experience sometimes we're going to be more lit up and other times we're going to be practically asleep yes yeah that's just part of the natural flow of things yesterday I was practically asleep we were on the beach with two riotous women with a blowtorch smoking <laughs> they're smoking dmt and we're both soberly drinking lemon and ginger juice yeah and they start telling us wild stories about being 18 at an animal shelter, feeding the baby raccoons, and somebody locks you in the cage, and you're on your period, and the raccoon crawls up your leg and sticks its nose barreling into your menstrual blood, and your reaction is to knee the raccoon off of you, but in doing that, the raccoon just wants more, and so it grips its, your inner thigh with its mouth, and the moral of this story she was saying is... It bites her. Is just let Don't the fight. raccoon... Don't <laughs> fight. Let the raccoon get its fill. Don't fight. <laughs> Fucking gnarly story. <laughs> she was called the White Reaper. The Great yeah. White Reaper. Yeah, she said that. 
and she was facilitating a place for serial killers to be recognized as okay. She'd been going on YouTube safaris of murders, murderers on trial and then tuning into their frequency, their psychic state, to recognize everything that went into them becoming the tragic, horrible person that they presently are. And trying to, uh, she's, in, she's trying to relieve it, to give it peace. She's into healing the past by being in the present. And then that also is healing the future. She was telling all of this with like the gusto of warning us that there's a death drive throughout the planet, and that everything is spiraling towards a uh, like hyper violent state. We tried podcasting, but it was just too heavy. That was interesting. This like focus on violence from both of those people, which is maybe just from their own personal stories or like experiences growing up and things like that. But yeah. I feel really blessed that I don't have a lot of, like, super overt violence in my present storyline. That's, like, really a major blessing to be dealing with. Yeah. It's... Maybe part of it is because I recognize violence in ways that other people don't. When, yeah. When you pick up an inanimate object off the table, that's violent. Yeah. Totally violent. Sometimes I don't think about it, but sometimes I do. And if you are aware of it, then you can do it in a slightly less violent way. I know this, I know this view that Sean has. So, for the podcast listener, let me just tell you: everything is alive. Oh, that is yeah. Everything is alive, and it has an awareness of its place, of its everything about it. So, when you pick up the glass from the table, you're forcing this thing into movement that it otherwise would be still sitting on the table quite peacefully but now it's suddenly in action in motion in limbo in this state of change it's not entirely bad it might be aware of the warmth of your hands on it but it has no idea where it's going and it's totally a slave to you we had talked about this in one of my lost podcasts it was the third day last summer of striking the play so we had both been thespians for three days, taking apart the set for Little Richard, King <coughs> Richard. For King, yeah, King R2. R2. Yeah. Shakespeare's R2. <coughs> did, did I hear you're not, I don't mean to interrupt your story, did, did I, I hear you're not on the parking team anymore? I'm not on the parking team. I heard through the grapevine from my mom. The parking queen. Yeah. Under the parking guru. Did you request not to be, or did you, they just have better things for you to do this year? That was kind of like a cross-pollination promotion. Yeah. There's just as much agony and ego-crushing in this Going position. On presently. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken with jest. <laughs> you were saying, though. Tab, tab, tab back. Tab back to, back to three days of three taking days apart of the plate, which means Sean's wearing like a sheepskin hat that's like full brimmed, and we're walking around in the sun, 
and there's theater parties, so there's like open tabs of wine and beer. So for two days, I've been just drinking beer and alcohol, like beer and wine. Ridiculously nice beer from a keg. It's from a keg, yes. And like mixing it with green tea and like lemons yeah. because we're, we're still working the whole time. Yeah. And, and Sean and I slept at the theater, which is such a nice feeling just to be there overnight amongst the residue of the drama that had just been like baked into that place all summer long mm -hmm. and to wake up and keep moving it and there's just piles of debris as you take the set apart bolt by bolt and the last podcast was driving away from this going to Westcliff and Sean telling me that all the objects that we, we moved were alive yeah. and that we were just we were just we were just fucking them it's like we talked for probably an hour straight on this it was just really intense and we had to get some air and I said, well, let's go swimming. And so we get out of the car, go down like a little incline. Westcliff is like right on the ocean, like Western civilization end. And there is a hobo spread amongst the boulders and caves yes. that has arranged all of his objects with somewhat intent and also somewhat abandoned. And he's the type of hobo that accumulates like figurines and flags and turns like beer boxes into like stacked arrangements. Like bl blankets with cartoons on them for walls. Yes, blankets with cartoons on them for walls. And it was just like, yeah, this is a living yeah, example of the objects of the objects live with the backdrop of the ocean crashing and giving it the sound. Then mm -hmm. us swimming there, Sean naked. Sean swam naked all summer there. Not at the same spot, but at different places. Mm -hmm. Once between the two plays, we went down and drank 40s in the ocean, yeah. being just swirled with all the gold dust that's in the water, being bumped up against the rocks with London. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, but if you recognize that the life is alive, I don't think that cups don't this like to be used. I don't think that carpet doesn't like to be rolled on. And, but it does make you think about moving more like a dancer. That was my conclusion at the end of that talk. I was like, well, I'm happy with the way that I worked. Because I you worked like a dancer. I heard it make metallic rings. Ever since for network or the theater, I would hear pieces, because I carry shit all day long there. I would yeah. hear it ringing and scraping, and it would be making music. And I would twirl the big pieces of wood. I have all kinds of wood there that I'm like dancing with and twirling or throwing in cool ways or making into nice stacks. And I was like, yeah, all right. I had, I made love all summer long. Yeah. yeah. It's a completely different feeling when the life force is being acknowledged. It, it, it can be just in the human realm too. If you're working oh, with people yeah. and you, yeah. don't, you don't really take the time to acknowledge that this person is alive and that they have a whole like brilliant shining spirit and storyline and everything else that goes along with that person being who they yeah. are. And you're just like, well, this person's an employee. They're on my team. They're a tool. Get this thing done. If they don't do it right, then I have to correct them, whatever. Mm -hmm. If it's that kind of an energy, <laughs> so it's well going to be like shit. It's going to be like well a slavery said. kind of situation. That's what's happening right now. I was like, that's what. <laughs> that's it, exactly it, what it is. It's like, the, doesn't feel good. It's ego crushing. That's what I was like, I'm back to being ground to dust. Yeah. Which is like <laughs> good in a way. It's like, if you need to be dusted, that's healthy. But it's also just a fucking drag. It, it sucks to be it that. Suck. It sucks to be in that position. It does. But it weirdly is good for us, especially yeah. if you have the foresight 
to be a, one step ahead of that in recognition that is good for you. Oh, that's another way to throw your whip forward. Right. Foresight in the recognition of what is going to be When you're happening. getting the shit end of the stick, yeah. thank the shit. <laughs> <laughs> but this is looping back into the, you know, how do you make it uh, an engagement, an interaction, a mingling, emerging of things instead of just like a taking or an absorbing. And uh, yeah, if you acknowledge those things, you're making love to them instead of being violent to them. The, the inanimate objects that you're shuffling about, that you're stacking, that you're moving. It's, that would be like a massive spiritual practice because you can't quite always be there where you recognize that you're in this ever-flowing field of life. Everything being alive, the carpet that you're rolling on. There's so many things around us all the time. We're not usually aware of the totality of our experience. If we were, we would be must-like. Mm. Mm. But the closer we, we get to that, like the, the more ecstatic Franny and Zoe. The more orgasmic life will be when we do kind of remind ourselves when we tune our dials to that state of affairs more often. Of everything being alive. I think it's good karma to be recognizing the life force of things and loving things as we move through, touching everything. It's like that's building a life far out in front of us that will be giving good things back to us. Totally how you throw your whip forward is to acknowledge that the karmic repercussions of things is, uh, it's all of Gloria's stories in the podcast we did, 38 Specials. She would go to heaven and in the waiting room of heaven, her and her buddy are pulled up on the Apple computer, not looking at her life and everything she did, but looking at her life and the way she affected everybody. They were pulling up the emotional range of the way that you affect the world. So if you're thinking about that with people, with objects of how you're going to be affecting them and then using that as what you're light whipping into the future for choosing your navigation, yo. Yeah. It's a good meditation to be on throughout the day, throughout the daily dance of moving life. And you get to reap the benefits of being that much more alive because in the sense of being alive in awareness of having the, cause if you were thinking of something, then you're bridge into its consciousness a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This kind of all emerging from the point of having just connected with a few people who have had the experience of violence in their lives more mm-hmm. than we have. Yeah, being white privileged young males, and uh, <laughs> I'm not talking about, <laughs> but you know, and I, I shouldn't say this because I'll be death wishing myself into some more violence coming up. But when we do experience violence aimed at us, you can respond to that in a way where it will like kind of perpetuate and create more violence coming back later or in the other direction. But with the reception of forgiveness and with the ideal, this is helping to like equalize and balance and maybe make me stronger. um, You can stop violence in its tracks and turn it transmuted into love. Violence can be received with love is not an easy thing to do it takes a really strong lover to do that it's kind of a passive act it's that omega like allowing yourself to be raped by a raccoon kind of act 
Jesus, dude. <laughs> you have to be strong enough to withstand it. And some things you're not strong enough for. Like, they'll just tear you apart. Yeah, yeah. I can't claim to be that receptive. I can't claim to be that receptive. <laughs> dude, <laughs> my son loves to tickle me. Yeah. He's Are you ticklish? So, yeah, I'm ticklish. Yeah. He's so into tickling me. Oh, I bet he loves just that, dude. Just like digging his fingers into my armpit. And yeah. like he'll go harder and further until he gets that reaction that he's looking for, you know? Yeah. We call it training. He's like, hey, you want to do some training? It's like passive torture. Training, training is when I'm just like, okay. And I just hold my arm all the way up, opening and exposing my armpit completely and try yeah. to like be try to stay relaxed and hold it open as he's getting in there and rooting around and doing his tickling in my armpit. It's so, so hard to do. Training sucks, dude. <laughs> Training to be receiving. Training! <laughs> do you think it helps you in other places? Like cross-training? Is it cross-training? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not very good at it. It's ridiculously hard. Like, sometimes I can't even open my arm. I know he's coming. He's going to go in there. He never even gets a touch in, and I just, like, close my arm up. Yeah. What an ex It's such an exciting state. To be tickled? Yeah, or, like, almost about to be tickled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are yeah. you ticklish? I'm glad. Or no, I'm not. You're not ticklish. I'm not. Really? Yeah, I've been tickled like twice. Teo's not ticklish either. Yeah, I sometimes wonder if I'm missing out on something. Hmm. Will you share this this poem that you wrote last night? Yeah. I don't think it's the best one, but I'll share it. It's a little disjointed. This, I was like, this came with at, a lot of feelings after that interaction yesterday, and I was like, Yeah, we went down to the you river. You had asked me for a poem beforehand, and I didn't have the time or space to do that, but I was like, All right, I'll get one after this thing because these ladies definitely were some inspiration. smoking DMT and talking about violence and about just like all kinds of stuff. intergalactic, not intergalactic, but interdimensional healing, healing, and just I don't know. It was, this is a poem that happened afterwards, and it was, um. Like all of these poems, it's coming from a place where you just thoughts are kind of coming to you. You're not really editing and you're just sort of typing it out. Mm -hmm. And so while I was falling asleep to the silver surfer, you were boggle vapors. Well, the title of the poem is Beloved. Beloved. Mm -hmm. Okay. <clears throat> boggle vapors, bees buzzing around my brain. Sand and more sand, dust finer than gold. Proud foundation props up the alter ego on a dance stage. Nice toy you've got there. Suction your neediness to a fern. Vacuum love affair with silence. No one has ever felt this before or will ever feel it again. Experience code. Brand new security system with more dough we can throw away. A thousand junior guards tackle a southern swell in a line of red suits. Yeah. Careful how you touch that bulb. The worms come from the fleas. Rats in the attic aren't going anywhere. Heal war within the family. 
legendary mythical witch, albino raccoon with a red nose, hiding under the bed, playing like you never want it to end. Heaven on earth is the least likely scenario. Heaven on earth is the least likely scenario. That's right. So, we're walking through like, we're in hell. <laughs> like walking by the river through the sand and the foliage. So he's like, if the hell exists, we're in it right now. So our work is cut out for us. The only solution, manifest the impossible. Master of yourself. Willing to love so hard you forget yourself entirely. Forget your past. Forget your dreams. Melt into the only word left. Word left. That's the way. That's the way. Melt into God. Melt into God. Melt into the beloved. Melt into the. You're trying to run the dials up and feel that everything is alive. It can be hard to do. If you're an author, you're going to spend 20 pages describing shaving. Or you just melt into melt an idea, an idea, an idea of God, an idea of God. I love how she, I love how she, like, like, I should answer this, I should answer this. <coughs> Melt into the beloved. Melt into like the you're beloved. On your surfboard, like you're getting on into a river. Getting into a river. Right when you're getting in, a right dragonflies got a dragonfly path, path set for path above your set forehead. Above your forehead. Your wealth chakra is located. You get further down the river, and the water's warmer at the bottom. You swim down, and the like the the vegetable matter has been decaying at the bottom and it's become mud but the mud is now generating its own heat so you swim down and have your hand along the bottom getting this thermal warmth of decay on the beach inside where the river mouth is meeting the ocean two vultures or vulture dancing around a seal that's been dead you can tell because the smell is following you as you're walking at your ankle deep in the river water out to the waves. It's clean and golden sparkled and you dodge kelp as you're riding. You come back later in the dark and there's an owl flying near you. You recognize that its face is forward. Its whole face is flat like the moon and it's swooping around and you're worried about what's gonna happen because owls are tend to be a sign for future drama or menace. It drops down into the grass that's still a little bit light out at this point and then pops up somewhere further away but still close enough to be near and you realize it's two owls and they're dancing with each other in their striking kill feed out dance mode death way you're taken back by this and start texting with your lover on the highway while you're editing podcasts that you finish as the stars are emerging and you're suit hyped up on the art that's happening and the love that's being exchanged to notice the time or really not caring in the time because you're sitting on the back of your open van enjoying the stars in their galactic arrangement and the highway patrol rolls up and asks what you're doing here and if you told them honestly what you're doing and you really do it still seems a little bit too outlandish don't do that (laughs) and they look at you from their bumpers with massive authority and it's best to be moving on so you end up walking up a cliff 
that's very pleasant. You get to a place where you're above the ocean again, looking down, and it roars you to sleep. You fall asleep to roaring ocean sounds and wake up at 5.40 to the songs of birds. You gather up your blankets. You slept on a big, brown, furry blanket, a domesticated version of what would be a bearskin rug. And you go down and get water from the spring and go back to the river again, make it all the way back to work. And then too tired leaving work, meet up with friends along another river beach and talk about the death drive in society. And you just can't quite relate to that. Cause what you going on got going on is a like a almost final height of passion. Yes. What they were saying is the backdrop to the lovemaking. There's two sides to everybody, loving and violent. She said that. She's like, yeah, that's sex and death. They go together. And I was resistant to that idea because I was like, yeah. I don't want them to. I've heard that said in, uh, in music before. Yeah, I don't know if it's true for everybody. They were stating so many things like a universal truth that... I don't know about it. Yeah, the guys that sing Jane Says, the Seattle band slipping my head. Jane Says, dun, 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 dun. on that tape, they also have a song where sex is violence. I'm like, I don't know if that is true. <sighs> and then more through the night, you start singing uh, Me, My, E-O. <laughs> Perfectly rapping George Harrison melodies. In the dialing of my emotional system of conscious existence, I'm frequently attempting to dial down whatever violence might be there. It doesn't take much of an effort after a while, though. It's like a... So what do you got to fight for? You know, it's like a guitar string. If it's like you keep like tuning it down lower and lower, it doesn't make much sound anymore because it's just not resonating. It's not going to spring back and vibrate and like need more and more of that. Mm. Emotions are like habits, a lot of them. When we have the habit of aggression or anger, it's going to be there and it's going to frequently come up in the chord progression. Yeah. But the more we recognize that we don't like that chord and don't really need it in the symphony anymore... You're just like, I almost forget what that's like because I get so little of it these days. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I had forgotten what feeling was like because I had just stopped feeling for so many years. I don't know if I'm doing it right, but I try to do that with ego too. Yeah. For anybody who's like waking up to spirit world, they seem to get through this like wall of ego with like, oh no, this is the fake part of myself, but it's so much of who I am. Yeah. And it becomes this kind of barrier or obstacle, just like the words and sentences that the mind is thinking. I don't mind that at all. I don't know. I'm like, it I think it's cool. Me. It's like, I, just have it there with you. I don't feel like I've had this big like ego struggle. Like, right. It's, it doesn't really matter who I am. Yeah. My identity is not all that important to me. Right. Maybe that's like bullshit that I'm saying that, but it kind of feels that way to me. I don't feel like I have an ego struggle. That's how I feel as well. I mean, I feel gripped within like fear or anxiety, and I know that's ego based. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not free. I have all kinds of things that I'm like hung up by, but it's still, um, I wouldn't like define them as ego. It doesn't feel like ego to me. Can I up your coffee game? Oh, yeah, up my coffee game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, please. Um. 
Let's part. This is the second resume in the second part of the Beatniks Bone Trips bullshit experience where we've been trying to explore the places where the spirit world enters the physical reality in its wild and beautiful connections. We might have gotten a little disjointed, but basically we're trying to submerge ourselves in a bath of everything alive. And then once you're there, it's going to be sensual. So you can either just take it all or you can give some back. How are you going to give it back? Are you going to fill a backpack with lightning rods and throw it forward and be able to give the gravel something the way the sun is giving something to the trees that caress the shadow that's then slowly going across the pavement in some sort of summer sensual way that you've wake, woken up to the sensuality of summer? Are you going to be able to be like a crab getting on under ocean currents where thousands of you lift up your crab legs feel the current and then travel like a thousand UFO saucers along the currents of the ocean to your next ground to land? Is summer gonna be this erotic for you? Or are you on a death drive fueled by YouTube trials of serial killers and DMT blowtorch hits? I don't know. <laughs> but that's where you wanna be in the emergence of what's happening. We're wondering how to make love to the height of summer. Yes. How to allow the very season, the totality of the season to be a life force that emanates through us, but also with us because we're not just receiving it. We're also giving back to it. You have to be able to be aware of it. And once you become aware of it, it becomes alive to you. And then how do you give to it? These are questions that are brought up that I don't know if I have an answer to yet. We're wondering about what is violence and what is love? How are they related or unrelated? Scared that it might be on the same dial. Mm. Uh, but not scared enough to look at it and think, nah, it's... How do we come to separate? What EQ bend does that knob need to be tuned one way or the other? Because if you were hollow and you were a control console in a music recording studio, you could take your sensations and, and your deficits and adjust the dials and then be curating your experience in this way. On these little breaks in the recording, I was standing outside admiring the seaweed drying on your clothesline. Yeah. Very nice. Seaweed is nice. Looking at your collection of sticks next to the dump trucks on the front porch and yeah. looking at the sticks and wondering how I can emanate into them to give them a bit of me. Mm. And then seeing the still life tea set structure with a crow feather in the red vase on the little table on the deck with the sun hitting through the red vase so it becomes a bit more pink with sun. And having the thought that Maybe it is just being constructed by all the different perceiving parts that are receiving it. And you give to it by like emerging with it in existence. So it is harder to make love to uh, inanimate objects, if I dare say inanimate. And then as you reach like more uh, like buoyant in the consciousness spectrum, it becomes easier to the point that once you get to a human, I mean, that's why we do it with humans, mm -hmm. is because it's perfectly obvious that we're both giving and receiving here. I hear these outlandish numbers like we've reincarnated 
8.4 million times. Yeah. That's like not even enough time in human history for us to have re reincarnated that many times. But then I realized that only a certain percentage of those are human incarnations. Mm. Many, many, many of them are as animals and insects and amoebas and stones and trees and bushes and plants and molds. And when I start thinking about all those types of life forms that we've been through countless times before we ever get to even our human incarnations, I'm like, oh, 8.4 million is probably not even enough. In the way that you can be around a guru, a woman meditating under a tree for 40 years and she kisses you on the forehead and sends you into an ecstatic state where you're receiving 11 dimensions of the universe beyond time and space and James Webb telescope readings, the way that the transfers of the guru can happen, you had mentioned that it could possibly happen with what could I possibly, what could I be giving the shadow on the pavement? And you're like, well, you're just helping it in its bump, in its boost to becoming more human. And maybe that is what's happening, that in your experience and you making love to Summer, you're helping the parts of Summer become more human. I love that at this time, historically, we're not only looking further and deeper into space than we ever have, but we're also accelerating subatomic uh, atomic particles at higher energy states than we ever have before in the particle accelerators and then smashing them into concrete walls mm. to see how they explode and see what comes out of them when they when we make them hit the wall this much harder mm. those two things are going on at almost the same time yeah yeah. Does that seem related we're looking, to you? We're looking, yeah, totally. We're looking further into the outer reaches of space and further into the inner reaches of space than we ever have. Like at the same time, we're looking further out and further in. I'm pretty sure in the collection of podcasts that I lost last summer was when we were reading the book about traveling through space in a ship oh, that navigates. We lost that one? I don't know if it's lost or up. <clears throat> But it was a ship that travels through space by Expanding. just growing. Yeah. And it expanded bigger than the universe, bigger than the galaxy. And then eventually it got to the point that it was back to where everything was small again. Mm -hmm. But it had just like broken through to the next loop. Yeah. We could be, yeah. Inside is out, outside is in. <laughs> and we're back again. And we're back again. <laughs> <laughs> don't get too addicted to that red button as you slam it again and again yeah you may forget the last hundred times that you've podcasted the red button is not the clip in this example it's the record button mm-hmm mm-hmm oh I need to show you my goodies This, I figured you would know about The Drummer's Path. Did you read this book? Cool cover, no. Moving the Spirit with Ritual and Traditional Drumming. Sewell Greg Wilson. He not only talks about the mechanics of drumming, but the personal ways that you move, or like how you adjust your body to be in a place that you can receive drumming. Hmm. I was like, if there's anybody I know that was on a drummer's path, it's you. Hmm. I was curious about your drummer's path. If your knees are flexed, 
You are free to move in any direction as need be. You can subtly bounce an action that regenerates your energy. You are relaxed, not locked in or uptight, which would impede receptivity. Okay. You just open to the page that is the answer to what started the podcast for me personally, which is how to exist in the world without leaving everything everywhere. Right. Just bend your knees, bro. <laughs> Keep your knees slightly, slightly flexed. <laughs> Get into the bounce. Mm. I've also got this book of Pablo Picasso poetry and it's set in dates i'm looking through because i would like to find the july 19th date i always loved picasso's art he's one of my favorite visual artists for sure he's one of mine too like he's one where i go to for beauty yeah i mean it's just fucking pretty yeah it's chunky hard lines with like well his older ashes of coat his like more mature work got to be so childlike and it is kind of gritty and raw, but just inherently carries beauty with the stroke, even though it's like unrefined. He's like you, Triple Capricorn, reversing, <clears throat> growing older by getting younger. Like his age and his, his yeah, age and- I really and... liked it when Alyssa said that. I was like, whoa, that resonates super strong with like my story. My yeah, as you get older, you're getting younger. As I and get when older- you were younger, you were older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You like a Picasso painting. When because I'm kind of at a turning point, it's like I'm gonna really start to see and feel the effects of that. That's a weird thing to be aware of. As I was like a little kid and trying to pretend that I was an adult, I didn't really know that that was part of my scene. But now that I'm getting Looking to be back, more of an adult and becoming obvious. more childlike, yeah, it's interesting to do that with some self-awareness of the process. Yeah, that's one of the best things about getting older. This is I why like, I was like... Self-awareness feels so good. <clears throat> this is part of why I went through a mode of being a preschool teacher. Without mm. realizing it, I was studying the kids. Whoa. I was trying to create a space to let them be as free as they could be, to be who they are without adults coming in and interrupting their flow. Yeah. Or expecting something of them. Adults interrupting their flow. <laughs> but what I was gaining was the observation of pure childhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your childhood. If you could put that in a pill you could and give that. that to people, that is what so many people want that. People want that. Adults really want that. Some people are afraid of that too, though. Most people are afraid of that. Yeah. That's why we don't do it. And that's why it's not a synapse that's practiced. Yeah. It's a thing that everybody's capable of, but they've forgotten how to do. Or they haven't yeah, flexed that muscle like, in a long time. They've worked it out of themselves for safety reasons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This Picasso poetry, he started writing when he was, I think, 52. He was going through a divorce, and he was going to lose all his paintings in the divorce. Like, and so he just didn't want to paint anymore. And he started writing these poems, and they kind of have like a Finnegan's Wake-esque type of just words on top of words, except they're not made up words, they're like just items that he's interacting with and foods and spices and states. So in the context of this conversation of everything being alive, it almost seems like it's uh, 
30,000 candles, cabbages, cauliflowers, and olives, black and green, orchard, burnt, and raw, cinia, vermilion, and burnt, under, lemon, orange, noodles, motor oil, a few drops, and stirring, silence, envelopes, in passing, in the present moment, the piece being played, opposed, the obtuse angles of sad truth, reduced to dust, and glued to spider webs of gummy reason that initiates itself under the armpits of the dish of shirt just picked from the tree of good and evil, planted in the heart last season, proud all marble barbecue, a thousand thunders presenting themselves an old way and no trouble in evening Nelijay tonight at 5.30 exactly at the meeting of the hands over the eyes of the wood split in four dangling from the highest branch of the cotton in the ears of the badly combed emu filthy hobgoblin always between the legs of chairs and the feet of the table and how much courage does the miserable lamp need to suck the endless dredges of black canvas in oilcloth unnailed from its frame enveloping the drama under its pleats. I have kind of, I feel like, learned to bypass whatever issues come up with the ego is to live in between its impulses. Oh, yes! We talk all the time about the silence that's there and, like, those kind of in-between moments. We know that the gold is found in the silence and in the stillness that's between everything. But within our own consciousness, the way it functions, I kind of notice the ego as, like, an impulse. And then there's time that elapses before its next impulse it's that space to get the richness and the fullness of existence yeah it's not a seeking or trying space either you you want everything to be alive to know everything's alive you're not getting it with your james webb or your particle accelerator you're getting it with you're getting it on the down. You're getting it on the offbeat, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the empty. Yeah. in the empty set. The the ego being this kind of invisible or false sounding board. It's like existence is bouncing off of that, but then you get the resonance of it coming back to you. And even though it's false, so you get kind of a distorted picture. <clears throat> you get enough of them over a little sample of time, and then like a bat you're echolocating the truth from a click. I'll just say it again. I loved this idea, this imagery of the like parallax that you get between your heart and your mind. Yeah, yo, hit us with this again. We got two eyes. Why do we have two eyes? Well, one of them, one of the reasons is so that if one of them gets poked out, we still got another one. Uh-oh. But the better reason, the more continuous and like I think the, the realer reason is because they're separated from each other on the face and the distance that they have from each other gives each eye a slightly different perspective. The crossing of this perspective allows us to create depth perception. 
Mm. We can tell how far away things are from us just by looking at them. And that's the reason why the heart and the mind are separate within the spiritual panorama, because they're parallaxed from each other. They're both like sensing entities that feel electromagnetic impulses. And we can like project out from both of those different centers. It's important that they're different centers because then we get spiritual perspective on the spiritual world around us and can then sense how close or far away things are from us and get a much more like three-dimensional view within the spiritual realm to move through it. Yeah, you want to see into the invisible? You want to have some perspective into it? You're going to need two readings. Yeah. You're going to need your mind and you're going to need your heart. Right. And your heart has a chamber that connects to universal truth. Universal truth is not swayed by any kind of opinion or view or judgment. Universal truth exists potentially through all 11 dimensions. Universal truth is probably on each planet. Is it still just going to be there? And the way... So if your heart can connect to truth, then you enter into this universal. You enter into the whipping line of light that's connecting everything because you have access to it. So you take those two and kind of line them up and then you get yourself a reading. Mm. And if you're in a pause state between each event, each pulse, you get enough of those readings, they start lining up around you and you can navigate like a bat, echolocating and filling in the spaces around you. And then when you're on the side of the highway on your cell phone, beeping and bopping, looking at stars in the back of your open door van, you can be that bat and flutter right up to somebody's forehead so that you can feel them, not by wind, but by wind, by, by um, wing, not by wind, but by wing, <clears throat> right at the forehead, <laughs> just give an impulse. Send them a flutter. Send them a flutter. I mean, could that be why I picked Blackberry today to rub on my forehead? Who knows all these subtle things as they start to like drift into you, impulse after impulse, subtle bit layering up and layering up. Juju. Manipulation of electromagnetic forces via one's will and the use of animal, vegetable, and mineral matter. West African magic or hoodoo. Also see Wanga. Just opened up to the index of the drummer's path to juju. To juju. Manipulation of electromagnetic forces. <laughs> Here we go. That's a brilliant definition. Here we go. <laughs> if you're in and open to it, then you enter into the web of synchronicity. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's it cast. That's mm -hmm. why ambient music's so fucking fun. That's mm -hmm. why these loops are so cool. Like many reasons why the loops are cool, but one of the reasons is that it creates this web of synchronicity and is built out of the synchronicity. Mm -hmm. Pretty soon we're going to be wrapping up the podcast and dipping into taking musical samples. Have this vision of playing surf rock and 1950s <clears throat> oldies while Sean is using his synthesizer keyboard and seeing if they can overlap I'm not sure how much delay action can happen between the two slapping sounds. Or maybe samples of uh, different instruments that he's got going around. We'll see. If this episode ended up being weirder, then you know what happened. <laughs> <laughs>
when we accidentally ran into the deer with our Land Cruiser and killed it, wow. was it more or less violent when we proceeded to take the deer home and skin it and cut off its edible flesh? Sorry to end on that note. I've just been looking up at this animal pelt on the corner of the wall here, like with its little deer arm reaching out to the Krishna photograph. And as we're talking about violence and we're talking about intention and how we interact with things and that violence can be transmuted into love with the right intention, cutting the flesh of this dead carcass with a knife, but doing it with this tremendous appreciation and love and like thankfulness and recognition that this was a way to honor the creature rather than just leaving it to the maggots on the side of the highway. It's hard to say that anything is better or worse than anything else when you get into a dualistic mind frame. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Singer starts at 4 Don't p.m. Don't end on this! Singer starts at 4 p.m. at the asylum. I bring it up because this enables the ease of manipulation of your control deck. You've got your system bumping with the faders. It can appear to be hard to move those faders if you have a very locked morality about what is good and bad. And then you'll get really stuck on something that seems important in your life. But if you recognize that the things that are important in life are usually outside of the storyline details of violence and love and like physical accommodation and needs, those are kind of the things that we like put in the foreground of how these are going to rule our emotions. If we dethrone those things and recognize that we are the ruler of the emotion, the knobs and faders become much more easily slidable. But it takes a bit of fuckery within our moral code because we have to recognize that our predetermined sense of what is good and bad is a bit off. Fuck with the faders, we have to let go of anything rigid. Yeah. And this is probably why it's not talked or talk, taught or talked about much, because if you're not developed enough and you become aware of this, you're gonna do bad things. Right. You're gonna hurt people. Yeah, you'll make some painful mistakes. You'll make painful mistakes. It's like wizard school is unique. Like you have to make your way to the underground <laughs> caves. You have to like backpack to the top of the mountain. Yeah, you really don't want to just give everyone magic because they'll get out of hand with it. Yeah, yeah, they will. Mm -hmm. I've been so grateful in life recently for how long it's taken me to get where I am. Because I look at it, I'm like, if I was confident 20 years ago, I would have fucked some shit up. Violent love. <laughs> you feel that you're getting more confidence as you go? I do. I feel more at ease and more like I belong to the earth. I've been through a lot of false confidence. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's worse? What's more effective? Confidence or false confidence? I, I dare say false confidence might be more effective. <laughs> don't mean to jump ship, but I'm just reflecting on the 
you know, I don't want to. I don't want to make a universal statement after I'm trying to say that we should be less rigid. But <laughs> I was like, "Fuck this what, rigid. Something should magic, be rigid." What magic is there but love? If you're doing magic, it will only actually come into being if it's somehow rooted in love. No, dude. There's so much dark magic out there. Yeah. Yeah. Right, but it's balanced by good magic somewhere, and there's a layer deeper where none of it's allowed to exist unless it's got the stamp of approval. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it takes that non-rigidity of thinking, of flexibility of moral code, to recognize that all those things are just dancing with each other. All those things are entities that are at play. Yeah, and then that is the tricky thought. Yeah, and the, if you're not the person who's feeling in, that. Person who's in pain because they're being stabbed by their own murderer is like, "Fuck you, Sean. This is not supposed to be." And it's probably true, but at the same time, that murderer is giving you a gift right now because you're about to get plunged into the best DMT trip of your whole life. Uh, not worth it. Not worth it. Not as good as this life. Don't smoke DMT. <laughs> Dis- wait, sorry. <laughs> Disclaimer of unknown proportions. Disclaimer of unknown proportions. <laughs> Uh, just that, like, there's, there's the death drive, right? Don't give in to the death drive, because it's an illusion, too. This life is where heaven will manifest once we get in line with the truth. Yeah. We may be as far as possible from it, but what better vantage point to bring it in? Are you seeing the static right now? Yeah. You are? Yeah. Where's the static? It's on your face, where oh. there's, like, areas of light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right here. Oh, my right eyeball. Top of my cheek. If I look deeper, I can see it in the shadowy areas too. Yeah. You don't see that static glow? I'm looking intently at you now. I don't see static, but I see great distance. I like see, I'm looking out I on an open plane. I see a lot more of it now that you've called attention to it and looked more deeply into me. Oh, I wonder if I can grow it. Totally. Am I growing? Let me try and grow my static. When I do this with Taya on rare occasion, I get to start to see her past lives emerge on her face. I'm seeing something on you now. Yeah. You know you have the leprechaun energy. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Pots of cold. <laughs> I, I found it on, on uh, St. Patrick's Day. I found that leprechaun. Yeah, I was out at the theater doing the groundwork. I was like, I just wonder if I want to find a leprechaun today. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in the field, I don't find any trash out there. And in the field was a package of those cookies that have the keyboard bags <laughs> on it. And I was like, here he is. <laughs> <laughs> I kept that trash. He's on my. It's on my shrine. John just went up to his fucking amazing library stack that if you could read and know this, all these books in this library, you would be an accomplished wizard. And he pulled out Gorgi Yorgi's The Tale of the Master Igor, a red book with like 1950s Persian drawings. But I interrupted your perfect spot that you found. I don't know if it was the perfect spot. There was, I'm trying to remember what book it was from actually, but I was recently 
Oh, Leprechauns. Yes, it was this other book. Um, I love the like the myth that the Irish people had about leprechauns, which is that the leprechauns get all of their gold by making shoes for the fairies. The fairies come and buy the shoes from the leprechauns. That's how the leprechauns are. Uh, fairies don't wear shoes. Are you kidding me? They wear those brilliant little fairy shoes with the bells and the curved toes. children's story that came into my life at a critical time where I'm like not working and lazy and refuse to participate in the production of society and Jamie O'Rourke is the laziest man in all of Ireland who would do anything to avoid working especially if it had to do with throwing potatoes but then things go by he goes out and finds this leprechaun Jamie O'Rourke goes around in a trench coat Pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> and He's like wandering a, at night. A this witch's is, hat. This is the time where he finally gets something done. It's midnight. Midnight is, of course, when Jamie O'Rourke, the anti-societal non-contributor, would go out and get something done. And he shakes down a leprechaun who's yes. making shoes. Hammer, a leprechaun who's singing and hammering tiny nails into the heels of the fairy boots he was making. He's got a pile of shoes. <clears throat> Now show me, it grabs him by the coattails. Now show me where you keep your pot of gold. Everyone in Ireland knows that leprechauns make boots and dancing shoes for the fairies who pay them for the, with gold. And everyone knows that if you catch a leprechaun, he'll pay for his freedom with this pot of gold. Oh, please, Mr. Mortal Man. Oh, please, Mr. Mortal Man. I'm just starting out making fairy shoes and I only have one or two pieces of gold in my you, pot. You almost do this in Irish accent. I'm a little bit Irish. Oh, please. Won't you make me a wish instead? Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, he gives him a gigantic potato that ends up feeding the whole town, but also creating a huge burden, and everybody gets sick of the taste of potato because they've had so much potato that year from the single potato that Jamie O'Rourke grew and the whole town had to deal with because it was so big. Mm -hmm. Then he keeps a little eye of that potato so he can grow another one the next year. And the whole village says, Jamie, please, don't grow that potato. We'll give you food all through the winter. We'll take care of you. Just please don't grow another one of those giant potatoes. Yeah. So his whole existence is taken care of as long as he doesn't work. <laughs> Fucking welfare. Like, <laughs> it's like some Monsanto pay the farmers to not farm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is the wish that the leprechaun, the clever leprechaun, grants to him. <laughs> Igor rolled up his sleeves, took a sharp adza into both hands, and removed the first strip of a pine board. What is this from? There was the smell of resin for Igor. Oh, yeah, there was the, s- <laughs> the fuck is Igor? There was the smell of resin, forest, and home. He began to feel more at ease. The chained bears, the angry Tsar's men, and the whole rowdy city slipped away. Mm. Mm. What does that mean? But this dude's getting to work, and it brings ease and comfort to his soul. Oh. It's not always easy to be Jamie O'Rourke. 
intergalactic harvesters of your psychic energy. Yeah, you're in the physical world and you're doing something that you're pretty well convinced is good there. Of course, if you look at it from a state of violence, Igor is just tearing that wood apart with a big knife. But if he's doing it with the right intention, he's going to turn that wood into a work of art that will live as a work of art instead of just being a piece of wood. The reviewing process. Mm. The Plato-ing process. Mm. As Jack Kerouac would say when he's describing writing on the road in dialogue with great books, he fathoms, page 191, interviews and encounters with Jack Kerouac that I found at Moe's Bookstore this past weekend up in Berkeley. I write in vast, 1,800 words a night, bursts for about six nights, and then the book is done. I use telepaper. I put in 16-foot strip of telepaper through the typewriter and blast away, single-spaced, saying, I'm going to tell you what happened because it's all true stories, and all I do is change the names for libelous reasons, although I have never insulted anyone in my literature interviewer. I'm sure you haven't. I'm sure you haven't. Jack, Jack, you never go back. That's what Balzac did, you know, with a little twist. Balzac did a few other things. My thoughts does not have to be improvised because I got it from heaven, just like yours. Oh. Once God moves the hand, you can't go back and revise. It's a sin. What if your thought can be improvised upon revision? It might hang better logically. It might hang better in harmony. Every time I turn on the faucet in the toilet, wait a minute, in the kitchen, my thought went into the river, deep river you got there. There's a lot of water in Lowell. Yeah, a lot of falls and canals. He's talking about improvising and opening up his mind and that it's just a stream of, of heaven flowing through and that you can't interrupt this or stop this or revise this. My thought does not have to be improvised because I got it from heaven, just like you got yours. Interviewer, you feel that it's perfect, Jack. Once it leaves you, is that it? He's smiling again. Fast. You will sit down and sustain writing for many hours in a day. Aside from all this, now a minute I finish this. Okay, here we go. Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, is known to have written spontaneously. But I have arguments with guys at University of California and University of Awkward. They claim that he was a craftsman and revised. He wrote Hamlet in one night. This is your opinion. This is my opinion. My job is to describe heaven just a little bit. There's a thousand guys down in this town that knows more about heaven than I do, including George Askewis, who's one of the sweetest guys I've ever really met. And do you feel you accomplished in this book that you just finished? I accomplished anything. You did? I'm dead. What? No, I said you did. You're not dead yet. What about the sea? You make a reference to the sea in the poetry of the sea. I think in your last 
Yeah, you see James Joyce, who also, well, you see Proust and Joyce are the greatest 20th century writers, no question about it. Proust, I mean Joyce, was going to sit by the sea. He's blind, remember? He's got to sit by the sea and write the sounds of the sea. And he died, and he didn't do it, so I did it for him. I was crossing this bridge yesterday that Jack was below when he was sitting with a donkey by the ocean at night listening to the ocean howl. It's a huge, massive bridge with like great, like booming architecture, like in upward slants. And as I was crossing the bridge, I don't think I've ever done this. I rolled down the windows and the roar of it all. And I was just like, Kerouac! <laughs> yeah, I like being here in this part. That's marvelous. And that's only the beginning. That's part one. That's the Pacific. I'm going to sit at the end of Land's End, Cornwall, and write the sounds of the Atlantic. Because Jack was down there at night writing long poems of just taking in the sounds of the ocean and like translating it into a poem. Probably the emotion of the ocean as well. And then I'll have to go all the way down to the mouth of the Ganges and write the sound of the, what's in that name one? The Indian Ocean. Woo! And then I'll have to go all the way up to Hanukutu and write the sounds of the North Pacific. You know the Indian Ocean is opposite America on the on the globe. No. Yeah. Oh, it's the same place and everything? If you go to the exact opposite point on the globe of America, it's pretty much over the water mass of the Indian Ocean. What does that mean? What does that do? Yeah, Can I you mean, feel that? In the same do way... Do we influence the Indian Ocean when we're on the freeway singing along to songs that we like? In the same way that every number and every letter in the alphabet has an energy resonance life force to it that's all unto itself every curve of the land op yeah every curve of the land every hill every mountain has a an energy that that is synchronized to it that is tied to it you want to feel it flow like water when you start to take the path of least resistance that's the path that's flowing with the way the universe is going, the contour of the land. You want to feel the resonance of G-H-I? <laughs> I was going to say P, but I was like, that's not where I'm going. I'm not, I was like, <laughs> trying to just... But that's the wrong resonance. It's not too close to G-H-B. I remember one digital nomad pulling up Google Earth and like zooming into sacred sites over South America, South America, yes. Chile and stuff. South America, South America. Yes. Just like pointing out all of these beautiful swirls and like sacred geometry shapes that are coming out of the mountains and the topography of different areas of the earth that carry a bit higher vibrational energies. Like Hawaii is one of these places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you look at a tour of the world through vibrational energies that are emerging, apparently most of the land masses on the planet are opposite to water uh, mm. on the opposite point of the globe. A balancing state. <laughs> There's a balance there. And yeah, I mean, Baba says that 
historically for a long time, America has been the mind of the earth and India has been the heart. So there's definitely like a, 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 a polar energy there between those two places. Kind of look at the, all the little like outlets, the little curves and things that the land like juts out into the ocean a bit. Over in those eastern areas, there's there's India, there's this whole big thing of China, all these nice curving features of like the Indonesian islands and things. Then there's this big, like, again, V-shaped kind of Africa coming down. South America is also this kind of V-shape. Um, there's total resonances to all the different continents and countries and land features out there. It's amazing how we've, like, subdivided it up to. There's, like, this little island. How does it work? It Between America and Russia. America and Russia are much closer than we realize. Yeah, yeah. If you include Alaska. Oh, yeah. And the little islands that are, like, jutting out from there because they're, like, a day's walk from each other. How do you feel the resonances of the land? I mean, it, I could see it in a map in that I'm same, seeing through Google Earth or just... Because you're visually feeling it. I mean, it's in the same way that it's kind of indescribable with the complexity and the completeness of any given moment. Mm, mm. It, Do it that way. But it's much like longer and more stretched out. Yeah, time. adjust your dial of time. When you start take a, seeing things the way an ancient tree sees something. When you take a shovel to a, a, a mountain and you move one shovel of dirt it is changing the entire scope just a little bit. It's like one little movement of noise on the hill. And if you want to hear a mountain think, move that mountain one shovel at a time, and by the time you're done, you will have heard one thought. Hmm. Divide me, fractalize me, tantalize me with your jive. June comes on hard into July, making me erect to the possibility of vitality. Life flows hotter near my boiling point. My mind erupts with new ideas beyond description. I bend my knees to the beat, moving easily left or right, forwards, backwards, leaping, tumbling down into new realms of perception. I'm unafraid to become myself. I'm unhindered by myself. I unhinge my door and open myself to all possibilities. Intoxication only increases, it never decreases. The fear drips away as I realize that I'm lost in a cascade of emerging love. I beat my drum with patience and steadfast confidence, hopefully free of pride, and though I've tricked myself because hope is allowed. Sylvania knobs doubled up with two thumbs, bending time and space through synchronicities with 88.1 that you never hear, for the noise has become too ungrounded. Dare the delay reach the true looping phase where it's an infinite in an undecay and you will know heaven. Bring heaven into the most hellish place you can imagine and you will have found earth. Fear not the alien entities that want to suck off of you like a parasite. They will only have envy and you will have everything. Oh, yeah. 
turn your poem into bold and unknown statements. Write down every truth that you can and then improvise. What was that paper called? An unending paper rolling through your typewriter? There is no end to the story. How dare you conceive of such an ending, poisoning the very existence that is everlasting. Mm -hmm. Turn down the fader on all of your lies. Toxic nut. I eat it and it turns into sweet fruit. Bitterness heals me as my kale is munched. <laughs> I hate myself in evergreen terraces and pull red from the wall to become a little bit heated. I use that heat to propel the summertime forward onto its height, halfway between the solstice and the equinox. I realize my work is complete and I rest. I rest as a junco lands on the bell. All right, podcast listeners. Started this thing by wanting to feel and go deep, to be into the place of emergence. Went through, had a great podcast, thought we were done. Pulled out my Amoeba record bag to show off new records and books. Opened up at random to a point where Jack Kerouac, King of the Beatniks, is talking about improvised writing and that he writes on scrolls six hours a night and has a book within, or all night, and has a book within six days. There's only 26 letters in the alphabet, reconfiguring those to all the ways that heaven can go through. Because if you're improvising and the faucet is clear, then you're just listening to eternity flowing through you. And podcast listeners, all 14 of you, We've had 707 listeners, 707 plays and 14 listeners. It's a very special part that wow. you're all part of that is no Seven longer... Seven and 14? Yeah. Wow. Which if you're hearing this now, that moment has passed mm-hmm. because you're hearing it now. So now you're in the next boost, but you're like a musk. The only way you're listening to BBB, you can't go back. You can only keep getting more and more intoxicated. This is all a preamble to say that you heard an example of Sean writing poetry. That's how he writes these ones that he sends out on the text that we read. And this one just happened in the air. An improvised retelling of everything that was happening with his and his consciousness connected to God and his heart aligned. Configuring. Jam slam. Jam slam. Wanna do some samples? Let's get some samples. Yeah. I feel like let's let's run these samples on the last third of this podcast where we're like <laughs> reading books and stuff. <laughs>